Welcome to Light Church. We're so glad you could join us for this weekly message. We hope this message leaves you feeling inspired and equipped to be all that you were made to be. If you are new, my name is Dan, and I have the amazing honor and privilege to uh, lead this church. And uh, we have an amazing group of leaders and, and uh, our leadership team. And I just want to really encourage you to be uh, at this meeting tonight. If you call Light Church your home, um, which isn't so hard because we believe that this place is a home for everyone. Uh, but we just want to encourage you to be there. We've got some exciting stuff to talk about, uh, talk a little bit about the future. And uh, I just think when we are united, uh, that's when God just pours his blessings into it. But when we stand divided, uh, I think that's when things get a little bit awkward, isn't it? Uh, so I want to encourage you to be there. And But we, uh, last week, I did a message called Don't Feed the Birds. And we were looking at fear. I believe fear is a very significant and scary aspect of our lives. And I actually think we need to go, with, go to war with our fear. So are we ready to go to war this morning? We are? No, not quite. Too early in the morning. I want to pick up uh, the second part of this, uh, this mini-series. Uh, so it's literally just been last week and today. And then we're going to be going into another one. And last week we talked about what is fear? Where did it come from? Why is fear even a thing in our lives, in our world? And we talked about the fact that the very cross of Jesus Christ disarmed fear. That we have the ability to not fear, to live without fear. And then we said this week we're going to be talking a little bit more practically. And uh, you never know. Hey, I didn't start my timer. This one could be a long one. I'm sorry. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> um, when, when you plan these little, little series and, and you pray about it and you think, okay, what could this look like? Uh, you plan a route through. But then when you come to actually open the word and get in front of uh, the, uh, the study for this, sometimes it takes a route of its own. So actually this morning, we're not going to be looking at practically how to beat fear in our life. I actually think we need to look at what happens when we leave fear around in our lives. Because I think beating fear, sometimes, like we know we can beat fear. We learned this like last week. We'll do a little recap in a minute. But I think actually we need to get to a place where we have had enough with fear in our lives. Not just a place where we're like, I'm kind of done with fear. I prefer not to live in fear. But a place in our lives where we get to say, I don't want to live like this anymore. I don't want this to have a hold on my life like it does. But I think fear is so fundamental to our brokenness. And um, I just think we need to go to war with our fear. So I want you to turn with me to 1 John 4.18. We read this out last week. I'm going to read it out again. So if you don't have a Bible, don't worry. That's 2 John. All right, listen to this. It says, This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment, that in this world we are like Jesus. Verse 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Like I said last week, this is a little bit of a hook verse 
for this series. And I want us to dive in today the significance and importance. Whoa. <laughs> Siri's giving me therapy advice up here. Bit an egg. That's never happened before. Bit an egg. I must really need it. <laughs> That's funny. Usually it happens and everyone's like trying not to look at people, but like you're all already looking at me. So I can't do anything. I can't like awkwardly run out like some of you guys do. All right, calm down. So this morning I want to look at the importance of uh, living uh, without fear, but what it would look like if we leave fear in our lives. So I'm just going to pray one more time and uh, I'm just going to commit this message to God. And uh, we can jump straight into it. So, Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you for this moment. Uh, Let these words be your words. Let this be your heart this morning, God. I pray uh, that we don't just get knowledge, that we don't just get practical application, uh, but that we can get a deeper sense of your character, a deeper sense of who you are. God, we thank you that you're meeting with us right now. And uh, that today can be a day that changes our life forever. In Jesus' name, amen. So don't feed the birds. This idea, for those of you who weren't here last week, I'm just going to quickly go over this. Uh, We were in Australia and we flew back to Manchester. And when we were in Manchester Airport, uh, there were some pigeons flying around in the airport. And uh, this story was heavily dramatized. Well, last time I told it, it was all true, don't worry. Someone asked me the other day if the stories I tell are actually true. They actually are. I don't make them up. And, uh, but there's some pigeons flying around, and there was a little kid feeding the pigeons. And uh, we kind of pulled out this idea that things stick around when you feed them. So this morning, we were, uh, last week, sorry, we were digging into this idea of if you feed your fear, it's going to grow. And then today, uh, I want to talk about this idea of fear isn't some giant singular problem that walks into our life, but it's actually a, um, something that builds up over time and keeps growing and keeps growing like an infestation of things that we don't want. Uh, I remember I have a, a mentor and he told me a story. I used to work in a big bank and one of his big bank managers sat down, everyone, uh, to do like a big training session. They were talking about compliance, so like following rules down to a T and everything had to be sorted. And he said, uh, the guy stood up in front of everyone and he said, has anyone ever been bitten by a lion? And um, obviously everyone uh, had their hands down, like, no, I've never been bitten by a lion. And uh, he said, has anyone ever been mauled by a tiger? Getting everyone, hands down, no, no. Anyone ever been hit by a meteorite? No. All good. And he goes through these things, these big things that can happen to us in our lives. And then uh, he said, has anyone ever been chased by a hippo? No, no one's ever been chased by a hippo. Has anyone ever been bitten by a mosquito? Everyone's hands. And he says, ha, it's the little things that get you. (laughs) And you know what? When he told me this, I was like, how true is that? That actually is the little things that get us. It isn't, you know, the big towering things that we just let walk into our lives, but actually the little slips day on day on day, that then suddenly turn into a problem that is far outside of our control. Me and Will were in Arizona a couple of years ago, five or six years ago, and we met a friend that we'd uh, met at like a Bible school over here, and we went out for food, and his, one of his friends came to meet us. We'd never met this guy, and he was, like, he was like a little bit of a dorky guy. We didn't really know much about him. He was a little strange. He didn't talk too much, and I remember he went up to the counter, and he was like a little bit smug, and uh, he said, please, can I have a slice of lemon? 
I'd never heard anyone in a fast food restaurant ask someone for a slice of lemon. And it was like, you know, part of the secret menu, and he was being a little, you know, smug about it. And he was, yeah, you can ask for lemon, like, cool. Anyway, we were, we were eating, and we were sat at the table. So, I mean, he was a little dorky. And, and um, we were sat at the table, and we were eating. And uh, me, Will, and one of our, and our friend, we were, we were chatting, and this guy wasn't getting too involved in the conversation. And all of a sudden, he was just going... And he t- kept turning his head and he kept putting his hand over his mouth. And like, at first, I was thinking, like, do we say something? Do we mention this? And again, he was just... And like, maybe after three times, we were a little bit like, what is this guy doing? And the fact is, our mate wasn't, he wasn't batting an eyelid. And, and it kind of got a little bit awkward. Like, just kept happening. And he was just sat dead still. He'd like halfway through his food and he was until our friend said to him, what are you doing? Are you okay? He's like, yeah, I think I'm choking on a lemon pip. <laughs> no, no word of a lie. I think I'm choking on a lemon pip. Now, this was genuinely the funniest thing I had ever seen in my entire life. Because it was just one of those things in it. Like, you just sat there eating food with stuff in his face, and yet the thing that makes him choke is a lemon pip. See, it is the little things in life that end up tripping us up, isn't it? As stupid as that sounds, I wonder if that's a little bit of a picture of what our life looks like when we are comfortable with fear. Because the thing is, so often, we just take fear as like a little emotion. It's just a normal part of life. This is just part of the the human experience. We experience fear. It's okay. It's like sometimes it helps us be a little bit more sensible. Like I said, we're not talking about being nervous before a job interview. We're talking about a fear that grips us. But so often we get so comfortable with this fear. We actually, we let it stay around. We leave it as like a little pet. And we said last week, let's make a decision to not feed the birds. Let's just recap quickly on what we learned last week. Is Fear is born from a severance between God and humanity. So fear was born when we lived outside of relationship with God. But then fear is validated because we have an inherent belief as humanity, as humans, that we are deserving of the punishment that's coming our way. So if those are the two things that, that birth fear and perpetuate fear, so a severance from God and in a belief that we are deserving of punishment, then actually the very cross of Jesus Christ addresses those two things. When Jesus died on the cross, what did it do? It gave us a way back to the Father so we can live in faith, in line with who we were designed to be. And it also paid for our punishment. Therefore, distinguishing uh, this idea that actually we don't deserve the punishment. Well, we do deserve the punishment, but we don't have to get the punishment that we deserve. So if, we all, if we all, we're all cool with this, we believe the cross of Jesus beat fear, then what is it? Why do we still experience it? Well, we learn this, that actually that fear has been beaten, then it's our job to push it out. This verse doesn't say perfect love just causes fear to disappear. It says perfect love drives out fear. It's as we move forward, as we love, as we live in a place of love in our lives, fear gets edged out of our lives. It isn't just a disappearing act. So today, I think we need to talk about what that edging out looks like and why we need to do it. I said this last week, when you, when you feed a bird, it doesn't become loyal to you. When you feed a pigeon, like on the street, it will still poo on you. 
Like when you, when you give a pigeon, you know, the little brace, sling it out there, it doesn't suddenly become your friend. And again, we talked about this idea that actually sometimes we do that in our own lives. That we feed things, we feed our fear thinking it's our friend. We feed things thinking, this is going to be my security, this is going to be, this is my maturity, but it's just fear. And I actually think this morning, I have a couple of thoughts for us. If we leave fear in our lives, if we feed our fear, it's going to come and mess on certain things in our life. I've got some thoughts. The first thing, if you're writing notes, is fear will make a mess of your shape. Fear will make a mess of your shape. Have you ever seen someone who changes themselves or like contorts or conforms to a, whether it's a crowd or a person or a social situation or an, an image or something? In fact, I actually think we all suffer with this a little bit more than we like to let on. We experience fear in this way quite a lot. If we want to call our shape, is the person God has called us to be. Standing up, knowing who we are, walking in relationship with God, that's us holding our shape. But you see, fear, we start to bend and we start to change and we start to fall into these traps. I want to read a quick passage or more so paraphrase it in Galatians 2.11. Uh, to set the scene here, Paul, uh, the apostle, he has uh, this guy who's working with him called Cephas. And now Paul and Cephas knew they were called to preach to the Gentiles. So the Gentiles were the people that were seen as unclean. They were seen as kind of unholy, far from God. And then you had the Jews. And the Jews were known as the ones who were like God's people. And now typically, the, the, the Bible and this Christian faith was like limited to the people that were classed as holy. So anyone going out to deal with the Gentiles was seen as dirty and unclean. But Paul and Cephas knew that they had to share this gospel with the Gentiles. So they go and they move and they start working with the Gentiles. However, there is a group of people. So you've got Jesus and his brother James. Now James' disciples are the ones who were uh, dealing with the Jews. They were like spreading the gospel of Jesus to the Jews. Now it says one day they came to go and visit Paul and Cephas who were dealing with the Gentiles. And then we read in Galatians 2.11 that Paul actually publicly shamed Cephas. And he says to him, in fact, I'll read it out. Galatians 2.11. So it says, Sorry, one second. Here we go. It says, For before certain men came from James, he used to eat, he being Cephas, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group, the Jews. So Cephas begins to change what he thinks his calling is so he was called to spread the message of Jesus to the Gentiles. He begins to bend himself and he begins to draw back. And then when these guys come who were holding their own shape, they were called to reach the Jews. Cephas begins to say, I, 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 don't, know, I, yeah, I don't know, I've maybe done this before, I, once or twice, but no. And he stopped associating himself with the Gentiles. And Paul calls him out because actually a couple verses earlier, Paul makes this massive statement where he says, those people that are held in high esteem, they did nothing to the gospel that I hold. What does he mean by that? 
the gospel that I carry, the calling that I carry is not shaped, is not affected by anyone of importance or significance or anyone with money or anyone that I deem to be intimidating. This is Paul holding his shape. I wonder in your life if you can relate to this a little bit. Maybe social situations that you find yourself in work, maybe just going with the flow because you're caught up and you really don't hold in your shape. I remember a time actually, I went to the gym and um, it does happen, I do go to the gym and I, I, I trained my legs and I hadn't done it in quite a while and you know after you've trained your legs in a bit, you get really, really stiff. And uh, the day after, I was so sore. I was proper stiff. And Holly says, oh, we should go to the gym together tonight. And I really didn't want to go. I really, really didn't want to go. I had sore legs, didn't want to go. But she was like, please come with me. And it was like 10 p.m. at night as well. I don't know why we did it. But anyway, we went to the gym, 10 p.m. at night. And I think it was around September, October, because the place was crawling with uni students. Like, the place was busy at 10 p.m. Like, people need to seriously get a life. I mean, I was there. But I mean, and... It was crawling with uni students. And I said to Holly, I'll go, but I'm not, I'm not going to train my legs because I'm in so much pain. I'm not kidding, so much pain. And, and I get in there, and like all the, like the upper body area was just slammed with this massive group of guys. And uh, I don't feel like I'm easily intimidated, but I walked into there, and they were like chucking stuff, and, and uh, they were being a bit leery, and they were cracking a few jokes at me, and I was on my own. I felt mega intimidated. In fact, I actually felt really intimidated. I was there on my own trying to do my own thing. And like, I even knocked my own drink over and spilled on the floor because I was just fumbling because I was nervous. And all these guys were looking at me. I felt like they were all watching me. And, and actually, I got up and I thought, I can't do this. And I went over and I rode for like 45 minutes. I'm not kidding. I, out of fear of these dudes, I went and did the worst possible thing I could have ever done in my entire life. I went and rode for 45 minutes, which isn't even a good thing on a good day. But I had saw my legs. I remember getting up and being like Bambi. Like I, I remember saying to Holly, I gotta go home. Like I gotta go home, you gotta run me a bath or like something. I gotta go to A&E. But I, I felt like I really hurt myself. What have I done? And I just think this is just such a, a stupid part of our life, isn't it? I think we're all guilty of this. And the funny thing about fear is fear holds you in the place of pain way longer than you ever needed to be there. The thing is, out of fear, and we want to be safe, and we want to protect ourselves. We want to save face, so we don't want to look like an idiot or whatever it is. We actually put ourselves in a place of discomfort and pain. See, fear sells us this lie that actually, if you do this, then you'll be okay. But that is not what happens. Fear leads to pain. It's crazy. And you know what? On a, on a stupid level like me going to the gym, how much more in our lives? Maybe you've actually been living a life that is different to the one that you should be living because you are terrified of what people might think of the real you. In fact, maybe you're even keeping friends that you know you shouldn't be keeping because actually you are terrified of what it looks like to hold your own shape in your life. Fear will always mess up your shape. Listen to this, Proverbs 29, 25, it says, The fear of man lays a snare, lays a trap, but whoever trusts the Lord is safe. See, this is the idea in the kingdom that everything is up in the world is down in the kingdom, and everything that is up in the kingdom is down in the world. So this idea that actually if we want to save ourselves, what does the Bible say? We must lose ourselves and fall into God. 
But if we want to lose ourselves, we got to try and save ourselves. It's the same thing. If we listen to our fear and we think that we can help ourselves, it just leads to pain. But actually, this verse in Proverbs says that real safety, real security, real wholeness is not found in fearing others. It's just found in following God. It's found in relationship with God. I wonder this morning, do you have a problem with fear messing up your shape? Is today a day when you're actually going to decide to stand up and be who you're supposed to be? Is today a day where you're going to actually unashamedly say, I think God has made me to be this. And no longer I'm going to pretend to do this or pretend to engage in this. But I'm going to be who God's called me to be. We need to make a decision to live without fear. If we let fear hang around in our lives, if we just treat it like a little pet, like, oh, isn't it cute? I'm kind of comfortable. I know what this looks like. We're just going to be living a crippled and broken life. And it's painful. And it's not who you were made to be. Fear will make a mess of your shape. A second thought for you this morning is fear will make a mess of your potential. Fear will make a mess of your potential. So I believe God has put something inside of every single one of us. I feel like God has placed something inside of us, a purpose, a freedom, a life. He's placed like a spark inside of us for us to bring something to this, to this world. However old you are in this room, however young you are in this room, whatever your life has looked like, you are still as valuable to God as you have ever been and as you ever will be. He has put something inside of you, something that transcends all this temporal stuff, something that is bigger than feeling, something that is bigger than the experience that we go through. He's put something inside of us. He's breathed his own breath into every single one of us. However, I just see so many people playing it small. I see so many people just living in this little cage of conformity because of fear. Again, I want to suggest this is more common than we realize. I see so many people living a small life. Why? Because in a little cage, you know where everything is. You know where your sides are. You know, you know just what it's going to look like. You know what time things begin and what time things end. You have more control over everything. Sometimes we're comfortable in that fear, aren't we? We said it last week. Some people are more comfortable in their fear than they are their faith. But you see, fear will make a mess of your potential. Let me read this in, in uh, it's in Matthew 25. Again, I'll paraphrase it. This is a parable that Jesus taught. And uh, he's talking about, it's called the parable of the gold bags, the parable of the talents. And he says that there was a man who brought three of his servants to him. And uh, he said to one of the servants, he gave him five bags of gold. And he said, like, here you go, go off and do whatever you want. He gave another servant two bags of gold, and he gave the last servant one bag of gold. Now some time goes by, and then Jesus says that it came time uh, for them to kind of settle the accounts, to kind of bring things back, to kind of give the money back and see what had been done with it. Kind of like an investment or like a return, like, so what have you done with this money? So the guy who'd been given five bags, he says, Master, like you gave me five, and I've actually doubled that five. Here is ten bags of gold. And it says the master was really excited. And he says, amazing. Like, you've done an incredible job. Like, let's celebrate. Says to the, to the guy he gave, two bags. So what did you do with the two bags of gold I gave you? 
And the guy said, well, you gave me two bags of gold. And actually, I've turned that two bags of gold into four bags of gold. And uh, here you go. Here's all your gold. And again, the master was excited. Amazing, amazing job. Like, I've trusted you with the small stuff. Now, here's some more. Like, you've been faithful. He celebrates. And he goes to the, the, the guy who gave one bag of gold. And he says, like, hey, you know, two for two so far. What's going on? Where, where's my bag of gold? And... Uh, the guy says, well, well, I, I knew you were a hard man. Like, I, I knew that actually times are a little bit tough, and I, I knew that there was a risk involved with this. So what I did was I buried it in a friend's piece of land, and I, I hid it under the ground, and it's all safe. And look, and he like, wipes a little bit of mud off it, and he, he hands it, here's your gold bag back. And the master's like outraged. He's like, what? Like you played it small because you were afraid? And he gets really mad with him and he, he takes the bag of gold off and he casts him out. And he says, you could have even just given it to some bankers and I could have had some interest on it. I think that's a tragic picture of what so many people live their lives like. How many of us bury our potential because we're terrified of what it might look like if we actually try and walk it out? I wonder how many of us in our lives right now actually are in a phase or even a time of our lives when you're thinking about various things that you've got buried in your back garden. Hopes, dreams, relationships, potential, calling, purpose. In fact, you have a nice little garden. You have little signs that says this is where everything is. You're keeping it all safe. You know what? God doesn't want you to live a small, tight, conformed life. He's put glorious potential inside of every single one of us. He's given us amazing purpose, but what do we do because of fear? We bury it. We bury it. Let me read this. This is what Paul says to the Corinthians. He says, dear, dear Corinthians, I can't tell you much how I long for you to enter this wide open, spacious life. We didn't fence you in. See, the smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small but you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can with great affection. This is what he says. Open up your lives. Live openly and expansively. Do you know why? Because this is part of humanity. This is part of our brokenness. What do we do? We bury ourselves. We, we buckle ourselves in because we're so terrified of what it might look like to follow God. We play it small because actually we think that's what being sensible looks like. In fact, sometimes we just dim down what we think God's called us to be because, you know, I don't want to look a little bit stupid to people. Like, you know, maybe God's put a dream in your life right now and you've just snubbed it for years. Is today going to be a day where we decide like fear has a grip no longer? Is today going to be a day where we decide like, you know what, fear... You have had a hold on my life for far too long and maybe today we need to go and get a shovel and dig up some of the potential that we've buried in our lives. Maybe today is actually a day we need to go and we need to say, I'm going to risk, not blind risk, not like ridiculous decisions, not living at large just for the sake of what, but following in the footsteps of God who will lead us where? To a wide open, expansive place of His grace. See, it irritates me when I see people. In fact, the true definition of tragedy isn't just bad stuff happening. It's bad stuff happening when actually good stuff could have happened. That's the definition of tragedy. 
We say it's tragic when someone dies early, don't we? Why? Because they have so much life left. They have so much more to give. That's tragedy. You know what is tragedy? People walking around with buried potential, with buried hopes, with buried life. Is today a day where we're going to dig that up and stop playing small and stop living life in our little cages of fear? I think it's about time. You know what? The world does not need a church that is playing small. The world does not need a church that just knows its boundaries. The world needs a church that is vibrantly alive, that is risking, that is stepping out into unknown waters, that's walking in a path that's never been walked before, that is not people that are going to bury their hopes and, and bury their potential, but that will walk in all that they've been called to walk in. That's the church we want to build. That's who we are. No longer are we going to let fear decide what we look like. Fear will always mess up your shape. It will make a mess of your potential. And finally, fear will make a mess of our relationships. Fear will make a mess of our relationships. Fear is dangerous in relationships. Whether this is friendships, whether this is marriages, fear is a deadly part, a deadly element in any relationship. See, it can make you be, become guarded. It can make you become cynical. It can make you defensive and hard-hearted. It can ruin and become really divisive. Whether, I don't know if it's a fear of rejection or a fear of commitment or a fear of pain or getting hurt, but fear can ruin so many relationships in our lives. We touched on a passage last week from Genesis, and I want to just dig into this real quickly. So, God created everything, and uh, he, he said to humanity, I want you to walk in relationship with me. The only rule is don't eat from that tree. Humanity ate from the tree. We are severed from God. We now live outside of that creation ideal. We now live in the human condition. We're broken. We're messed up. We're outside of it. We talked last week how fear entered in in that moment. Because the first thing that was mentioned after the fall of humanity was Adam was afraid. Let's just look at this. Genesis 3.10. So it says, God was walking through the garden. And it says, Adam heard God walking through the garden. And he became afraid because he was naked. So what does it say? So he ran away and he hid. His first response out of fear was to run and to hide. You know, if we leave fear lingering around in our relationships, you know what happens? We run away from people. We begin to hide away from people. We shut ourselves off. In fact, we go into this self-protection mode. Like I was saying, everything in the kingdom that is up is down in the world. So actually, when we start trying to protect ourselves, we become guarded. I'm not going to let anyone use me. I'm not going to let anyone you know, take advantage of me. And we become really hard hard and we push people away. And we lose out on these authentic relationships. And we begin to mistrust each other. And we begin to let division just rise up between our marriages or our relationships, our friendships or whatever. Fear will break apart so much if we let it. This is why it's so important to chase it away. I remember as a kid, me and my sister, Rebecca, we were messing around in, um, we were messing around in, uh, in uh, Becca's bedroom. And I had a, like a skipping rope and I was... I was pretending to, you know, like wave it around her like a good big brother does. And, uh, you know, just getting her ready for the world and all that sort of stuff, you know. 
um, training, training I like to call it. Anyway, I was, uh, I was razzing this, this skipping rope around and I, I was like, I don't know, being a ninja or something. I, I nailed the, the, the light bulb. Like, it shattered into a billion pieces, like genuine. And I like froze. I was young before you judging on me. I was young. And I froze. And I remember bursting into tears and running. I ran, I had a bunk bed at the time, and I ran up to my bunk bed, hid under the sheets, and I was crying. And uh, Becca genuinely found it the funniest thing, again, she'd ever seen. And, and again, as stupid as this is, this is our go-to. The second we make a mistake, or the second there is any form of fear, we get our running shoes on and we run as fast as we can away from it. Very rarely in our lives do we face fear. Very rarely in our lives do we stand and, and like face up to the fear in our lives. Fear will mess up our relationships. Listen to this. Ephesians 4.2 says, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Bearing with one another in love. See, to bear with one another in love means to carry each other's shortcomings. To carry each other's weaknesses and brokenness. But the thing is, to bear with one another requires us to be open. It requires us to allow people in to see our shortcomings. Like, I can't help carry Holly's shortcomings if she's always hiding them from me. Not that she does. But we always do this in relationships, don't we? We, we hide the bad parts of ourselves because we think people can't handle it. But actually... Genuine, authentic relationship is when we shoulder each other's brokenness, when we shoulder each other's pain, and when we're open with each other about it. But the second we begin to fear, we begin to see relationships broken down. Again, I wonder this morning, have you got some fear in some relationships that you need to chase away? Have you maybe got some fear that's got its way in there? You might not even know about it. That's why we prayed for the Holy Spirit to come and enlighten and convict those things in our hearts. Because so often, with fear, it is deeply burrowed in there. Is today going to be a day we decide, no longer will fear mess up my relationships. No longer will fear mess up my friendships. We can get comfortable with it, but we need to get serious and realize that fear is no small thing. Fear is not something we need to let live in our lives. We need to be determined to get it out. I'm going to invite the band up and I'm going to come in to close. I, uh, I talked a little bit last week about how we chase fear. We've talked today about why we need to. But it is exactly the same thing. Jesus disarmed all the powers of fear on the cross. That was done. And when we go through our lives, there will be times when fear presents itself, more often than not. When we operate in love, when we operate in perfect relationship, perfected relationship with God, the fear doesn't disappear, but we just know we can beat it. We need to keep pushing and keep moving forward through that fear. I wonder this morning, how is your walk with God? Because often I find that when people's walk with God is starting to slip, when we step out of that sweet spot of relationship with God, of intimacy with God, not just knowledge of God, but intimacy with God, relationship with God, when we step out of that, we step into self. 
We become self-sufficient or self-insufficient. And we then begin to operate out of our fear rather than our faith. This morning, if you're facing things in your life right now, maybe we've touched on some of them this morning. Or maybe there's things in your heart right now that you just think, I, I, gotta, I gotta beat that. I gotta beat that. The first thing you gotta do right now is get back in line with God. Get back into intimate relationship with God. Because fear has already been beaten. That's not the bit we get to worry about. Oh, is this gonna happen? Is it not? No, it's already been beaten. We just have to have a determination to walk through. I, uh, I heard of a, a pastor once who was talking about scarecrows. And uh, he was saying that there was a time when people would put these scarecrows up on the land to scare birds away from, you know, their crop and uh, from their vegetables and all these things that they were growing. And they would, they would stick them up and they'd have these elaborate scarecrows. And I heard that the birds actually began to see these scarecrows in a different way. So the purpose of the scarecrow was to deter the birds away from eating stuff on the floor. But actually the birds cottoned on that the better the garden, the bigger the scarecrow. And actually these birds would begin to fly around and see these scarecrows. And instead of seeing them as a symbol of fear, they actually saw them as a big advertisement for provision. Listen to this. This is what this pastor says. He says, faith is a bird which loves to perch on scarecrows. Faith is a bird that loves to perch on scarecrows. The very things that are out to destroy you in this life are the very things that God is going to turn around and use for your future. You know what? There's things in our life when we face fear, when we face things that are supposed to knock us off this path of a walk with God. I want to encourage you through the eyes of faith to stop seeing these as things to deter you, but actually as symbols of God's provision and His richness behind them. How different would our life look like that every time we came up against something that we were supposed to fear, we began to celebrate because God is going to come through. Because God has got something for me. Because God has got a hope and God has got a richness that He wants to deliver into my life. How different would our lives look? This is what He says as well. He says, Every giant in the way which makes me feel like a grasshopper is only a scarecrow beckoning me to God's richest blessings. Faith is a bird that loves to perch on scarecrows. Your life was not made to be overtaken by fear. It was meant to look like that little bird nestled in the corner of a giant waterfall with violent stuff going on around it, but just pure peace, stability, wholeness, existing in what seems like where has already been beaten. We have to decide today whether we walk out a fearless life or we walk out a fearful life. You've been listening to a weekly message from Light Church. If you would like any more information, you can find us online or on social media. Thanks for listening.